Well, welcome back to Confessions of a PYP Teacher. I'm Lou Gerlach. I'm from ThinkChat, and I'm so glad that you've decided to join us for Confession Number 5, Guiding Inquiry. How do we know where to start? Now that we are asking a variety of questions, what will we do with them? In Inquiry, we want students to explore their questions, test them out, make connections, and then try to pose new questions. It is a continuous cycle of question asking, answering them, and then generating new ones. If students don't have this opportunity to explore their wonderings, they often miss important connections between content areas and they don't become independent thinkers. Is that not the role of school to prepare students for their future while they'll work in a team to tackle challenging questions? I remember when I began my PYP journey in a bilingual interreligious vegetarian school in Germany. I was overwhelmed by the volume of PYP verbiage that everyone was speaking. I was adjusting to a new culture, a new language, a new way of doing things. And on top of it, the PYP, it went way over my head. I didn't understand what people were talking about when they spoke about big ideas such as inquiry and concepts. So learning from my experience, I wanted this training to not overwhelm you like I did in the beginning. That's why we're focusing this series solely on inquiry so that we can take time and digest it and look at it from multiple vantage points so that you can walk away with a variety of useful tips that you can immediately apply back into your teaching practice. If I were to begin this process again, I'd start at the beginning um, with podcast two. I'd start with the inquiry thinking strategies to help students to engage, challenge, find relevance, and make significant connections to their learning. Because this provides the structure that students are craving as they're learning something new, but it also provides structure for you as a teacher trying these out so that you don't feel overwhelmed by the process and planning. And these strategies, I've seen it, these strategies help students to develop a strong sense of ownership of the learning that's happening in your room. They can be used at any time during the unit or the year, and they can be repeated as routines for your students to draw upon as they are trying to process their thinking. And when we try out inquiry for the first time, it can be very unclear where to start. So there are definitely stages or types of inquiry out there. And I think that they go in this way. Um, I've labeled them differently. I think you first start out with teacher-driven inquiry, where the teacher is pretty much doing all the thinking. Um, that is where it's the known place for teachers who are used to controlling the learning experience in the room. Then as you get a little bit more familiarity with what inquiry looks like, 
then you're able to release some of the control and model the inquiry. And then after you've modeled inquiry for a bit, you're then able to have a shared experience where students take more ownership of the learning experience. You're still involved, you're still in there, but you release some of the control. And then finally, you eventually might get to student-driven inquiry where you might pose certain questions. You might pose, hey, this is what our target is uh, in regards to content. This is the I big idea we're learning, but the students design, pose the questions, implement the process, reflect upon it, and you are just there to be a resource. Now, that takes a lot of faith, a lot of commitment on your part to say, whoa, this is a journey, yes. And as a PYP practitioner, I would say it probably took me about eight to 10 solid years before I felt comfortable leading student-driven inquiry. That was me. And I spent six years in international schools where I had the freedom to teach how I wanted. I still struggled with um, student-driven inquiry and that's okay, everyone's in a different place. Um, and that's fine because it's about progressing towards student-driven inquiry. That's where we wanna go, we have to have a goal. So what could this possibly look like? Let's take a deeper exploration of possible scenarios and try to match those inquiry thinking strategies from podcast two with these scenarios. And you can utilize the inquiry thinking strategies in any stage, of course. But these are the recommendations that I chose. That's just one person. So let's expand ourselves and go take a deeper dive into teacher-driven inquiry. So here is the learning scenario. A teacher is standing in front of the room, asking their students questions and leading the inquiry. The students are responding to questions and watching the teacher do all of the thinking. Possible inquiry thinking strategies that you could utilize. I'm just gonna pick three. There's a list of about 10 here that I'll post on my blog post. Um, at thinkchat2020.weebly.com. So the three that really stood out to me were two engage and one relevant strategy. So the two engage are goose chase and wake up and warm up. And the relevant was begin with a real world problem. All of these are very teacher driven. The teacher is creating the learning experience. There's still inquiry happening. There's still students asking questions and probing and doing the work, but the teacher has created the construct of the whole experience. Now let's move on to modeled inquiry. Modeled inquiry, the learning scenario for this one is a teacher is presenting the inquiry to the students, asking them questions, providing the materials. The students are given a specific outcome that must be achieved, but the students complete the inquiry in small groups. So in this situation, the teacher's posing everything, 
but they're allowing and they're giving the materials, but they're allowing the students to actually complete it. Still a lot of control from the teachers, but we're allowing the students to play with it because it's been modeled. All right, so some strategies that pop out for me in this one is um, it's an engaging strategy again. Pick collage reflection because you're having kids create a reflection, um, synthesize information based on what was the target. And then two relevant strategies, which is model simulations, because this is heavily the process of modeling, and implement a classroom economy where it goes beyond just the financial factors, but it goes into how you work in your classroom, incentives, uh, what does it look like in a real world situation, but the teacher's still controlling a lot of the parameters of what that looks like. Now, the third stage, shared inquiry. A teacher shares the topic and quest questions to the class, and the students brainstorm possible processes they can explore to create a product or come up with a solution. The students work in a small group to complete the inquiry they planned and present the product or solution to the whole class. Now, if you notice here, the teacher's still involved, but it's more of a shared experience. The teacher's saying, hey, how about we possibly do this? And then the students design and brainstorm what that might look like. Possible strategies, and these are now going into a different variety. We have an engaging strategy, the fishbowl. Um, that one heavily relies on students to come up with their own ideas. They're given a set of materials, and they design it based on a rubric. Then there's cha two challenging um, strategies, give choice and determine claim evidence and reasoning. I like these because it requires students to really think about the experience, prior knowledge, and be able to justify their response. Now we've fall, uh, fallen into the final stage, which is student-driven inquiry. Here the learning scenario is the students design the inquiry and assessment tool based on success criteria. They pose the questions, engage in the inquiry, assess the process and product, and reflect on the process. The teacher is there to pose questions and clear up misconceptions. This takes a lot of scaffolding. Children need to be able to go through all of these processes, been explicitly taught, repeatedly have exposure to all of these processes before they can go into student-driven inquiry. We want them to be independent, but we can't also throw students into student-driven inquiry if they don't have the tools to manage it because it will only yield to frustration and a sense of failure on both of your parts. Now, some of the engagements that I think help with student-driven inquiry is setting learning goals against success criteria. That is a challenge. That's gonna be foundational. How are you setting up your 
the success criteria, how have students learned how a success criteria works? So that needs to be well established so students can do that for themselves. This is where we're trying to get them to be self-adjusting their behavior, self-monitoring their progress. Also, make time for my time, which is a challenging thinking strategy. This is so important if you want students to be able to do student-driven inquiry. They need time from the beginning of the year to work on a passion project modeled after the inquiry process where they get to explore wonderings based on things they're interested in the world. Here you're getting relevance and significance tied in. So important. And finally, I would say circle of viewpoints. I love this strategy. It's about looking at a situation and looking at it from multiple viewpoints and what's the validity in all of those viewpoints. This right here is such higher thinking. It is going to be a significance um, strategy. All right, so no matter where you begin, the goal is to move forward. So if you are at teacher-driven inquiry, you know what, that's okay. Because we all have to start somewhere. When I began, I began a teacher-driven inquiry. And as I became more familiar with the process, more confident in my abilities, then I was able to go into more of that modeled experience. Eventually, towards, you know, towards the three-quarter mark of my teaching career, able to yield to teacher-driven, I mean, sorry, student-driven inquiry. As educators, we have to recognize that this takes time, practice, and strong sense of confidence before we can get there. Because if we try to rush the process, what will happen is that we will rush our students before they're ready, and then all of you will be frustrated. Another consideration is that you can go through different stages of inquiry in a single unit or in a single year. Take your time. Don't consider it a race compared to the class next to you. You might have a superstar on your team that is gung-ho, is staying up all night creating inquiries. Wonderful for them. But that's not you, and that's okay. It's about building capacity within yourself as an educator, and then more importantly, in your students. So they become independent young thinkers that can transfer the learning that's happening into your classroom into future experiences and it builds and builds and builds until they leave school and enter the world now if you are a person who says hey I would love to see this more in action I need more guidance I need some face-to-face -face. I need some visuals that's wonderful. We have set up a five-day inquiry challenge in Facebook. So just type in five-day inquiry challenge. It's also going to be on our blog post, which is going to basically be a transcript of this podcast, on our website at thinkchat2020.weebly.com. You can also find supplemental materials that are printable for this podcast. 
Now, just a reminder, our podcast materials for Confessions 3 to 6 are in one guide. The main reason with that is because all of them are connected in the planning process. I wanted to show the connectivity between all stages. That's it for now. See you in our next episode. And remember, hold on to that passion.